good show. Sports at 5 9 of the fan. It's all about not making mistakes when you're a journalist, you know, and you try to learn from Elliot Friedman because he's the best. And so, you know, I don't want to blow this. Is it 31 thoughts or is it 32 thoughts? Like where, uh, what, what are we doing? What, what are we, who, who are you now? Uh, I, I've been struggling to find my identity for 51 years, JD. I don't think this conversation yeah. is going to answer it. 32. It's a mindset, okay. JD. It's okay. 32 teams in the league. It's a mindset. Okay. So the podcast is also 32 thoughts moving forward then. Yes, I don't think the logo is done yet. I'm not yeah. sure, uh, but it is 32 thoughts. It is 32 Th- now. Yes. They got you guys like a huge billboard, and they were like, look at this huge billboard, 31 thoughts. And they're like, yeah, they, they should have planned that one out better, probably. Yeah, you know what? Uh, like, as my grandmother used to say, you plan, God laughs. So it's funny how yeah. that always works. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm listening how to you the doing? podcast. Yeah, I'm doing well, man. How are you? Like, I'm, I'm assuming summer? that the summer was the, the summer was uh, very fast. I feel like it just cruised mm-hmm. by. It felt slow in moments. Like that's COVID, right? It's like I, my concept of time is just completely lost. I, I I still haven't gotten my bearings back. Where I'm like, I still don't know what day of the week it is. Sometimes I'm doing I, Wednesdays or Fridays. I don't know. Like, yeah, how about you? You know, it, it's it's funny you mention that because you know, like. I, I, I resisted doing like radio, like normally I'm doing radio and things right after Labor Day, mm-hmm. but because I didn't get off until August and for like a right. lot of people in the, in the industry, it was like the first vacation in 23 months. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really looking forward to my life clock getting back on track. This yes. Week. Yes. Um, that was something I think a lot of people experienced in our industry. I know I felt mm-hmm. it, like not to go too deep diving, but I actually think that we are going to talk a little bit about some of the mental stuff uh, yeah. around hockey in this um, discussion. But how, okay. you know, in, in August, I want to say, maybe early August, I, I was starting to take a little bit of vacation, like a couple of days off here, like a little bit here, a little bit there. I haven't had Ennis now for like two months, which has been strange. Uh, but, that's a vacation too, yes. That's well, good. yeah, for him. <laughs> like he goes from me to Brunt. It's like, okay, <laughs> he's feeling pretty good about that. But yeah, I just, I, I would take weeks off or I would have my little vacation time and I'd come back and I just did not feel refreshed. Like I mm-hmm. never could get that feeling of, oh, now I'm back in the seat and wanting to do this. And to be honest, like, I think the Blue Jays were a huge kind of kick in the ass for me of, wow, okay, I'm excited to do this thing again. Like, had they not gotten back into this playoff race and then I'm grinding into this year and I'm looking ahead to a Leaf season where I don't know how it's going to be doing this job and talking about the Leafs on a day-to-day basis because there's, like, it's so divided it feels political at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, if you say a positive thing, people are going to be angry. If you say a negative thing, people are going to be furious. Like, everyone wants more blood. People want to move on. It's just, it's not... It's not a great place. It's really not. And then you've got sort of a bit of an odd Raptor season coming up. So um, that, thank you, Blue Jays, is all I'm saying. <laughs> thank you, thank it, you, Blue you Jays. Know, it, it's funny you say that. I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said there, J.D. Um, you know, not, I'm not doing – you know, I'm not like a first responder or a nurse. Of course. Uh, you know, dealing with COVID or anything like that. So – or a doctor dealing with COVID. So – in no way do I equate what I was going through with anyone like that. But I just remember on the day of free agency this year, you know, basically we've been going for 23 months straight. Yeah. I was burnt out. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I was. And, you know, August I took off. We, you know, we, we went up to a cottage for a couple of weeks. I found I really needed that. And I really like watching the Jays. Like I'm a big baseball fan and I'm with you as the Jays started the rise and started to get back into it. I was really getting into the games. And I was just enjoying it, watching it as a fan. And, not, oh, I don't have to think about this angle or I don't have to talk yep. about this. And, you know, I think Joe Sadal is, I mean, he's been un- unbelievable uh, just watching his stuff every night. He's been, he's brought his A game as the Jays have brought their A game. And, um, you know, I, I, I found it very refreshing and, and very interesting. You know, I think sometimes I, I think about this a lot, actually. I think sometimes that, you know, when you're in the business like you and I and a lot and all the people we work with, um, I think sometimes we forget that people who watch us and listen to us, um, they want these things to be an escape, right? Mm -hmm. 
especially now, especially with everything we've gone through the last two years. And, you know, sometimes we have to cover harder things. It's necessary and it has to happen. But I don't know if our viewers want that. I, I think our viewers want it to be an escape. And I think sometimes when the topics get a little harder, they're like, uh, I was hoping to watch this because I wanted to get away from all this. And I think it's a it's a really tough balance that we have to deal with sometimes. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. I'll pivot it to hockey. I'll, I'll move it. But it similar vein, right? So I'm yeah. listening to what is now going to be 32 Thoughts, the podcast. You talk with Marner and you talk with Matthews. And mm-hmm. uh, just much like, you know, you reference Joe Siddle. And yeah. this, this show is very much a Joe Siddle show where I, I bring it up all the time how I'm actually very grateful as someone who watches a lot of sports that we have Joe who breaks down the yeah. games. When you yeah, come his, back to studio and you get that. It's been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. And I, like, I'm not trying to take a shot at other people, but it is a very different studio analyst from a lot of other studio analyst shows, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's just, I, I just hope people never take that stuff for granted. And I felt very similar listening to you and Jeff interview both Matthews and Marner, where they both sit down with you guys and you have the gravitas to ask pretty difficult questions. And I know that like I do this same job and it's hard to ask those things and maybe not as much when you're you, but you approach the topic about Marner letting in the noise and you brought up, and I don't want to like, you know, misquote you here or anything, but you (laughs) brought up the idea that, you know, his camp is not always great and that he has had some difficulty tuning things out. There are a lot of factors that go with it. You know, he's 24 years old. He's from this market. He signed that massive deal, but Listening to him and Ma- and Matthews go back to back on your podcast and just the difference in the way that they handled themselves and just, you know, you asking the question to Matthews and his approach and then you asking the question to Marner and almost to me anyways, this is just me, it almost sounded like he still wasn't prepared for that question or he was still incredibly uncomfortable with that question despite an entire off season where it's like that is the focus and I couldn't help but feel like hearing him yesterday as well at the media availabilities and his approach and how PR driven it was and how it just didn't really have a human touch to it that I don't have a lot of confidence going into this year that he is as prepared as maybe he needs to be to block out that noise or that there is going to be a notable shift where he has taken a step towards blocking it out. You know, this is, it's all really good. What you just said, JD. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, to me now, and you know, I'm about to turn 51. I, I, I think the, the the most valuable thing I think in the world is is life experience, right? Yeah. And you know, those guys—they're young guys. They're in. They're still. They're you know, people forget they're still in their early 20s. And I just uh, and I just know how much better I am at just handling the crap that life throws at you just at 51 and I was at 25. And I think sometimes we forget that, you know, even if you're an elite level athlete that can make to the NHL and you're among the best of the best that those two guys are, and and you're paid extremely well as those two guys are, I think sometimes we think that you can handle everything that comes with that. And everybody's built differently. Like I said it in the podcast, and I wrote it this week, I think Matthews is an assassin. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think he is built to handle this. Like, God only knows what his future is going to be, if it's going to be here or somewhere else. But if he stays here, he can handle this. He's, he, like, I, I think there's a whole other side to his personality, and I hope we eventually get to see it, because I think the sport needs to see it. He's tipped it off to us from time to time, like with the red coat, I always love the red coat. Yeah, I, I, I think about the red coat. Um, I just think that he's um, – I think he's one of those guys. Like the Sedins were like this. They could handle Vancouver. Mm-hmm. You know, Subban, he could handle Montreal before he was traded. Matthews, he can handle this. If he wants to stay here forever, he can handle this. I have no doubt about it. Not Zero. He's got that mentality. He's like a killer. Marner, he, he's a Toronto guy. Merrick, I, I forgot to mention that. Merrick made a good point about that. He's yeah. a Toronto guy. Um, you know, like he, 
like you saw the the media conference he had when they lost last year. Like that was a guy who was really hurt by how it went. He knew he didn't play well. He heard the things that people were saying about him and he couldn't block it out. And I, the reason I asked him that question, JD, is that I know that was a big thing for them this summer. Like you have mm-hmm. to, because they think that part of the reason he reacted that way was because he heard everything and he couldn't escape it. And that's why, like, I know, like, JD, you and I are on social. I know some of the mm-hmm. things that, like, you know, most of it I laugh at. It takes an awful lot to bother me, like a lot. Like, if I block or mute you, you're probably a horrible human being. Like, you really have to get to a level where I'm going to do that to you. And But it took me time to get there. Um, I'm sure you've had things that have been written to you that are said to you that go way over the line. But we don't get it like he gets it. And I know they've said to him, you have to do a better job of that. And the people around you have to do a better job of that. So that's why it came up. And you're right. I, I think it's a process. I think, I hope he will get there. I know that the people around him believe he'll get there, but it takes time and you kind of have to, you know, get the, the scars have to heal, I guess, before you can get there. Yeah. And I, I'm so torn on it because when I was 24 years old, I think I was like interning still at the fan. Um or I was close to it or somewhere along there. And God, my level of maturity then versus now is night and day. Like I'm sure you even remember me when I was, uh, you know, producing Walker's show and spreading yeah, yeah. opinions to people are just, you know, that you, you do change with time and you do get better at handling these things. You get better at handling criticism. You get more perspective. Like there's, it's just, you're right. Time is the most valuable thing for changing you. You learn to self-reflect. You get tips from people. You read more. You know, you go through more experiences that change you and alter the way that you look at life. I guess where I'm at with him is that he's kind of in his prime, like 24 years old. Like sports are getting younger and younger and younger to the point where, you know, we're now looking at someone who's 30 years old in professional sports and John Tavares going, hey, what are you going to get out of this guy this year? Like, are you going to get ROI? Right, exactly. And so it – I look at him from a human standpoint and I say, man, I really empathize with you, especially considering, you know, some of the stuff that does surround him. But then when I look at it from a hockey standpoint, and you and I talked a little bit about this earlier with the idea of some people want the escape, right? And when Mitch Warner makes $11 million, a hockey fan is not always going to be like, well, he's 24 years old. He's 24 years old making $11 million and playing for a glamour franchise and, you know, posting pictures of him and his beautiful wife and dog at a cottage and playing video games in his off time. Like, it's and doing Apple commercials, right? Like it's a different life being friends with Justin Bieber. And I don't think that they can like, I do think that there is a balance here. And I guess what I'm trying to get at is yesterday and on your podcast, I felt like that jump, that leap for him emotionally mature maturity wise. I don't think it's there yet. He was so adversarial, so hurt, as you said, at the end of those media conferences. And I got a little frustrated on this show yesterday. And yes, I took a lot of social media hate for it. Because I said, this guy just needs to have a human moment. Like eventually people just have to let go of the reins with him and let him just be a guy. Someone who says, like truthfully, not from a PR note, doesn't read from the script. Hey, this hurt me. Like say the things that you just said about him that we can all understand and realize he's from here. I don't know if he – it would be a bit of a leap for him to acknowledge how much the contract is weighed on him publicly. But just like – because again, it's like what – you know, you did take $11 million. But just how – He's from here. He cares about this team, that he wants to win. He loves hockey and that he's 24 and he's learning and he's trying to get better and doing his best. But instead, it's always like, yeah, well, you know, we're, we're, we can't do anything about it now and, and we're moving forward. And it's just so robotic and it's so in, like unhuman that it's really, really hard to relate to him. It's really hard to empathize with him. And I think it's making it worse. And I think it's going to be really, really hard for him to go into a season when he's posting, you know, videos with Drake lyrics of uh, like, it's me versus the world. If you're not prepared to be kind of like the Kobe Bryant Mamba mentality where you're really actually willing to accept being villainous and being disliked and still being able to rise above it. Like, I, I just think he's signing himself up for a bit more than he can chew. Well, you know, there's a lot of interesting that you said there, JD. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a couple different places I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to start here. 
So one of the things that I like, I'm a good compartmentalizer. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm generally like, we all have our moments where we get overwhelmed, but most of the time I'm very good. Like if, if, if something is bothering me and my personal wife, like my mm-hmm. wife is justifiably angry about something I did. Cause it's probably my fault. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very good at saying, okay, it's time to go to work. So I got to put that away and concentrate mm-hmm. on work. And so I think you have to be that. And, you know, Matthew said the same kind of things too, but he just says them in a different way. As, as you said, like Matthew said, you know, Hey, it took a long time for him to get over um, what happened last year, but eventually you, you have to realize you can't do anything about that and move on. And one of the challenges this year and, I've, and, and for the Leafs as a team is like, well, first of all, they're going to have a, whether we think so or not, I think it's going to be a fight for the playoffs this season. I think that division is going to be tough. Like I look at, you know, Buffalo and Detroit, they're seventh and eighth. Tampa to me is one, but I was really interested in hearing Stamco say yes in the interview that we aired yesterday that last year they said, we don't care where we finish in the regular season. We'll get into the playoffs and we'll handle everything there, but they're going to be in, right? So -hmm. then you've got five teams for three spots. You've got Boston, you've got Montreal, you've got Toronto, um, you've got Ottawa, and right now I'm forgetting, Florida, who I think is really good. And so it's going to be a battle. But the other thing, too, is that in a lot of ways, and the Leafs are trying to commit, convince their players that this is going to be a fight and they better be ready for it. So, But they're not going to be judged until the playoffs, right? So I think one of the things you have to do is, and I, I thought about this as broadcasting, in broadcasting this season two, J.D., is how do you talk about a team that isn't going to be judged until the playoffs? Yeah. And the only way you can do that is you say, because like the calendar says the playoffs don't start till April. Well, it's October. It's almost October. So how do you deal with that for 82 games between now and then? And the only way you can do it is say, today is my challenge. Can't worry about the past. I can't worry about the future. Today is my challenge. So the fact that both of them are talking about it like that says to me that there's either a, a mentality between the two of them or a mentality with all of them where they've said, this is our point of attack for the year. Now, the things I like about what Marner said is number one, him and Matthews were supposed to go skate together. They hadn't done that in the off season before, and, but they had made plans that Marner was going to go to Arizona and skate together. And they couldn't because Matthews had surgery, but I like that. Number two, he, they both said they talked a lot. And one of the things they did was send clips to each other about how to make plays better in small areas or tight spaces. And actually, I got a note from a coach about that, saying that if he was the least in their fans, he would have been very happy to hear that because it's the kind of thing that you have to do in the playoffs. And he thought that was a really good thing that probably didn't get noticed. But the other thing I I just think, too, is that I think the Olympics are going to be huge for players like Marner's. Marner. Like, Matthews is going to the Olympics. He's on that team. Like, he would, like if he went scoreless in 50 games, he might still be on the team. Okay? Yeah. Marner, I think he's probably going to be on the team. But I, I don't think his place is as secure. And I think there's going to be a lot of players this year who look at the Olympics and say, boy, do I want to be on that team. And they're going to come out of the gate like they've been shot out of a cannon. And at the recent camp, the Biosteel camp, Marner skated with McKinnon. And we know McKinnon's going to be on that team. McDavid skated with Crosby. We know they're going to be on that team. You don't think Marner's thinking, I could be Nathan McKinnon's winger in Beijing. I better get off to a great start. I'll bet you a, a, a bajillion dollars that he's thinking that. I think that's a great point. And it's also what I would hope to see potentially, you know, if we're doing narrative stuff, but narrative stuff that could actually matter is how much playing in the Olympics could actually help Mitch. The idea of him being on that stage, belonging, playing in big pressure games, being around a ton of other leaders, a lot of Canadians, high stakes. um, Yeah, could be good for him coming back to this team. I'm going to try to rapid fire a couple of things. I know you got to go. No, I got time. Okay. um, Morgan Riley. 
Like if, if we're talking about Team Canada guys, I feel like he's kind of on that outside bubble too, right? Some people have him in, some people have him out. He's probably got a bit of a shot. Um, yesterday at the podium, he's talking, you know, there's a business side too. He's, he yeah. spoke, I thought, pretty honestly as well, where I, I think that it resonates when he does say hey, what being a Toronto Maple Leaf means to him. Dubas, like he said that they're not going to get into it and that there's all these other teams that are dealing with it. But mm-hmm. he also, you know, there was a moment in the media conference where someone called them the core four and he took umbrage with it and he said, uh, we don't call them that and we've got more of a core here than just four guys and blah, blah, blah. But Morgan yeah. Riley doesn't have a contract, and Zach Hyman just walked. And you would have considered him to be, you know, core, to, like mm-hmm. at least last season. We knew there was potentially he was going to leave, but I still viewed Hyman as one of the core guys to their success. I view Riley as that this year, yet no deal. I'm guessing that they're really trying to squeeze him because they're already up against the cap. It's going to be really, really tough. He's, what, turning 28 this year? But mm-hmm. I, I wonder for a guy that's only, you know, three years older than Marner and Matthews, not being within the core from a contract standpoint, going into this season, knowing historically guys have all kind of had to leave to get the bag and to be acknowledged by the organization, how you think this is actually going to play out? Like he left the door open, but there was a touch of, um, man, maybe this is a little bit uglier than you would think. Um, well, I, I think this, I, you know, like you, I watched all that yesterday. I think that, I would bet that the Leafs and Riley, both sides, know exactly what it's going to take to sign them. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, pretty close. Um, I'm sure the Leafs have said to him, we might need you to take a little bit less. And there's no question in my mind, Riley loves being a Leaf. He Same. loves being a leaf. He like he's not lying. He's he like he appreciates that they took a chance on him, uh, and you know he he loves being a leaf. Like when they made Tavares the captain, there were two other choices. One was Matthews, and the other was Riley that they considered. And you know they ultimately gave it to Tavares, but Riley was in the conversation. And I think the organization really loves him and really you know respects. Um, everything that he's done for them. So I think in a perfect world, they would keep him. You know, two things. Number one, um, you know, the defense market has exploded. Um, And, you know, if Riley has a big year, and I agree with you, he's on the bubble for the Olympics. If he has a big start to the year, then, you know, he's going to be in the conversation. I think that's a motivating factor. You know, number two, and this is something that the Leafs have dealt with, have had to deal with is that there are players on the team who look and say, look, you've got a bunch of players here who didn't have to take less. And so why should other players have to take less, but everybody's different, right? Like I think, like I think Hyman was willing to leave money on the table. I just think that came down to uh, his, his like clauses, like no move or no trade protection, which is why it didn't happen. Um, but everybody makes their choice. So I just think that right now you look at where the D market is, uh, what Seth Jones, Dougie Hamilton, Zach Wierenski, all those guys and what they did last year. And I think that's the question. And I think at the end, but the thing is too, is that I can see a point where, um, you know, like the one thing is this year is that if the Leafs don't have a good year, but at least went around JD, everything's mm-hmm. going to change. Yeah. And, what if Morali has a big year uh, and they just say, look, Morgan, hang on. At the end of the season, we're going to do some other things that are going to allow us to keep you. I, I think I think that could potentially happen too. Yeah. Um, and he seemed, again, open to just about everything. I yeah. just, You know how it is in competitive industries when there are people that are below you that get a lot of hype? And it's a natural idea for a lot of us to connect the dots between, oh, well, they have Sandine, and he's a left-shot defenseman who provides you some offensive upside, who's going to be a lot cheaper, and who at some point is going to have to jump up into your top four. And when we're talking about core and money and asking to take less, the idea that you're replaceable and the idea that you have not taken, been taken care of, I wonder even for like a nice guy like Morgan Riley and someone who does care about the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, how much becomes too much before you start to, you know, actually, but again, noise, let it bother you. Um, Ilya Mikheyev, he looks like he's going to be on a line potentially with David Camp. David Camp has 17 goals and 235 NHL games. Uh, you yeah. reported about the trade request. 
It's hard for mm-hmm. me to imagine that him playing beside a guy with, I'm going to just say, kind of zero offensive like game uh, is going to satisfy him. Um, is this something where maybe the Leafs do the Joe Thornton's up the lineup thing to start the year? Or who is um, the other one, uh, the other vet that got a spot? Ennis. Tyler Ennis yep. got a look early in his season. I know that was injury-related, but it still happened. Do you think that Mikheyev gets a shot here to really compete for one of those top winger positions? Because it does feel like if he's back in that defensive role, that that's likely anyways, if I'm just trying to understand what has upset him, that that is going to only make the problem worse. I just think that, you know, as you saw yesterday, they wouldn't really address that request. And from what yeah. I understand, the answer Dubas gave was the answer that um, – that he gave Mikheyev was we're not trading you and we, we expect you to come here this year and be ready to have a big year. Like they need Mikheyev to be great at his salary slot. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, the one thing about Mikheyev was like, he's, he was having a great year until he got hurt that first season. Didn't have like, I look at him, I see a really talented player. He just needs to finish better. Now I don't know if that can be taught, I don't know. Like, I think he's a career 6.5% shooter. Yeah. Um, if he got that up a little bit, he'd have a huge impact. And I think that's what they see too. I think they see a guy who gets a ton of scoring chances who just needs to bury some of them. And uh, I think they, you know, they took a lot of pride in finding him. Um, I think, I, I think he's a very useful player. And I think they want to reap the rewards. Like, if he goes out and has a big year and gets a big contract, I think they'll deal with that. And But I agree with your theory in the sense, J.D., that, you know, just because you start somewhere this year doesn't mean you're going to finish there. There's always injuries. There's always people struggle from time to time. I completely agree with you. There's going to be opportunity for him. Yeah, I like him. He's so fast. He anticipates the play really well. Um, obviously he's got great defensive upside to his game, the size, everything, his ability to get to the net, but yeah, the finishing has been a problem and I just don't know how that's going to improve if you're playing with David Kampf, you know, and it's like, okay. And you're still getting your 14 minutes a night and I don't know how but patient those, you can be with it. All those things that you said there, yeah, it's so true. Like he, he breaks up plays and he creates chances. Yep. And no matter who you play with, if you have that ability, you're going to get that right. Yeah. You know, we'll see. It's true. Um, you know, we'll see. I, 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 you know, it's, it is true. It's like, he's like, he's got to be more like the closer, like, like Romano. He's got to close things. That's, that's what has to happen here. Just like eight more times. <laughs> like yeah. Just eight, eight, Score just on eight, of, eight those. of those. Just breakaways. shovel them in. Like I yeah. just f- find a way. Last one. Um, if you could yeah. give Kyle Dubas truth serum about one thing about this team. Ooh. What would you use? What would you use it on? What's the bullet going to? I I would I would love to hear. That's a great question. I I I, I would love. You know what it would be? It would be. I would want to sit down with him, and watch, Game Seven last year, and have an honest answer of what he thought, and how it dictated their future. Hmm. And they're off season. I mean, they said they wanted killer instinct and I guess it's all internal because again, camps and uh, Kasha and Nick Ritchie uh, didn't exactly scream that to me. Um, well, Richie like, oh, well. Ha- has that, like he can be yeah. that player. There's like there's, killer instinct there's... as in he'll hit you hard in the face, like a killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, but I think, I think Matthews has that. I, I really do. I, I, uh, I really do think he has it, and you know what? I think I think Marner, like I think Marner has it. I think he's just learning to, like you know, you talked earlier. To, just because, again, it goes back to what we said, JD. Just because you're highly paid, and just because you're uh, an extremely talented player, doesn't mean you're prepared for everything that comes with this, at, mm-hmm. especially at that age. And Marner is still growing into it. And you know, like I, again, I I, I think. I think you may, you said it. Sometimes we forget that, you know, like, like you look at all the stuff that Jonathan Drouin just talked about in his two interviews with TVA and RDS. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because like everybody here who's listening to this interview knows someone they work with or live with or know 
that has all the talent in the world, but battles to harness the mental battle of it all, right? Like just, just because you're extremely talented and you're highly compensated doesn't mean that you can always handle everything that comes with it. We all know people like that. So you have to grow and you have to learn. And I know they've placed a premium on that in his particular case. And just as a human being, I hope it, I hope he gets there. Cause I think, you know, I, I like, like I think if those two guys ever learn that, like look out. And I think the league sees that too. And I, I think Matthews has that mentality. And I think Marner is learning that mentality. And if they get there together, that's what Toronto sees. Like, that's what Dubas sees. He knows that if they can get there, they've got potentially something very special. And that's why he's doubling down and tripling down and now quadrupling down. Because he sees it every day and he knows what it could be. And he's he's pot committed. He's going to bet on it. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> it's going to... Again, I, I he's... Uh... He's really put media members in a tough spot. <laughs> Things to talk about this year. This is going to be. Well, that, that, that's what. Yeah. That, that's the way I'm looking at it. Like, I actually, it's funny. Like, yeah. we have our first game on Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, our Unreal. first exhibition game, and mm-hmm. that's one of the things I was thinking. Like, what do I say about these guys all year? And because mm-hmm. we all, because I, I understand what everybody thinks, and I think the same way. But you, yeah. you weren't. The calendar says September, so you better find things mm-hmm. to talk about for 80 games until then. I think I'll be fine because I've never been one to uh, be at a loss for words, but uh, I still think it's going to be a lot of, uh, here's a take, and then fans are going to be like, yeah, but sure. It, it, I said it reminds me a little bit after the Raptors lost to LeBron for the second time, and people were like, what are yeah, we watching? I think sport? it's very what fair. Are, very fair. Yeah, what are, what are we waiting for? We're anyway. waiting for LeBron. Like, you know, yeah. Please tune in anyway, fans. We need the yes, viewers. Yes, please. Yes. Uh, guess what? They're going to tune into you just fine. Uh, I think 32 <laughs> Thoughts will be just as successful as 31 Thoughts. Uh, Elliot Freeman, thanks for making time, man, as always. All right. You take care, JD. Be well. Take care, man. Elliot Friedman, 32 Thoughts. I always love the people when you were a kid and you had the Halloween costume and you had to rock the big UNICEF box that you'd carry around your neck and the, the houses that would already have the UNICEF box money ready to rock and roll. But yeah, the pandemic ends for no one until it ends for everyone. UNICEF is leading the procurement and delivery of 2 billion COVID-19 vaccines to countries around the world. It's an effort um, of this scale, it's never been done before. So by donating to UNICEF Canada by September 30th, Canadians have the opportunity to make a difference and support the vaccination of millions in lower-income countries. Every dollar donated by September 30th will be matched by the Canadian government, which is great. So donate today at unicef.ca or text VACCINES to 45678 to donate 10 bucks. Got it? Donate today, unicef.ca or text VACCINES to 45678 to donate 10 bucks. Anthony Stewart, Hockey Night in Canada, NHL on Sports. He's everywhere. He's everybody. What's up, buddy? Long time. I'm doing well, and uh, I want to know where your counterpart is. Is he on vacation still here? What's going on here? No he's one's working been, these days. He's been doing writer's block, man. Like, he's the he's a writer now. He's writing okay. all the columns that he's as. He's Mr. Mr. Fancy Pants. Like, yeah, well, if they, had, uh, if they had tweeter's block, I think I'd be the highest up in the company right now, too. So yeah, you need to right. find uh, something about my tweets going exactly. on. Exactly. You know, it's nice that you've been assaulting Riccio lately and not me as much, <laughs> which is good, you know? like, <laughs> like Take that, so, Riccio. It's Toronto yeah. versus everybody vancouver yeah. could catch it calgary is there anyone in ottawa that needs a little talking to i'll give them a little talking man to. That, 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 i let people in because they say don't do inside jokes on radio dan riccio who used to work here my boy everybody's the guy like truly one of the best guys in the business like no doubt about it um he had a bet on his show that if he lost he had to reveal this picture of him and Zeno charo that was apparently embarrassing and and i'd heard about this photo before um, Dan's not the biggest dude, right? Like, and 
And but the difference is like Dan has since he's done since Dan moved to Vancouver, he became Vancouver Dan, right? Where all of a sudden you're doing the grouse grind, all of a sudden you care about, you know, having your morning special coffee, you only drink green stuff, you know, you're grinding for the body because you just have to be in phenomenal shape to live in that city. And old Danny released a picture of him next to Zeno Chara. I think so Big Z's what? Six nine? Six nine, yeah. S- 6'9". I want to say Riccio's... Hmm, I'm sorry, Reach. I don't mean to expose you this way, but like maybe 5'6", 5'7". I'll give you 5'7", Reach. I'll, I won't go... Uh, they might not let him. They might not let him on Ghoster Coaster at uh, Canada. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> they might say, hey, buddy, you got to see got... The bumper cars are over there. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got the like bad early 2000s chin strap going. Like it's just not a it's not great a good guy, look. Man. Great guy, great personality. Yeah. Best guy, <laughs> best guy. But the fact that he released it is like what shows you what a champion he is. Anyways, go to Riccio's Twitter account, shoot him a follow at Dan Riccio. Uh, he might have 650 in there, or whatever. Those, those guys do that a lot. Um, either way, what a champion, what a champion. But he took a. <laughs> The comments, the comments on Riccio's Twitter were like incredible. There was some red, red hot fire uh, in that. And I even told him, I was like, poor Dan, I have pictures of him. Like I have a picture of him standing with the, like a couple of Atlanta Falcons players when they came to Canada. It's just as bad. It's just as bad. I, I was like, I'm going to keep was... that one in the pocket. I'm going to leave that one on my phone. I didn't um, even know what was going on with the with the meme, but I just sent a couple shots and I got out of the thread quickly here. So uh, yeah, really see yeah, it you all, had but, to. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely had to, had to for the culture. So uh, yeah, man, let's just start with this. Like, this is tough for the Leafs. Like, they're coming in here and there's just nothing they can do to win people over out of the gate, right? I think Matthew's popularity is always going to be Matthew's popularity, right? He's going to come in, he's probably going to score 50 goals, and everybody's going to love him. Um, everybody else. Like, if your name isn't Jason Spezza, uh, you're on um, – I think Jake Muzzin, too, is pretty immune from criticism. But, again, it's Toronto, so people can turn on you in a, in a heartbeat. But, yeah, just, you know, what do you think these guys are going through coming into this season where you kind of know that your fans aren't all the way with you? I'm not saying fans should be. Like, I'm definitely not fan-shaming, telling people how to feel. I just wonder from the player's standpoint, what do you think these guys are doing, how they're dealing with that? Well, I'm the wrong guy to ask because there's usually zero expectations for the teams that I went to uh, starting yeah. the camp. So we'd literally <laughs> you have were like, they know guys. who I am. You know, asking you about how your summer went and, you know, yeah. did you come in the best shape of your life? Yes. And then they write that and that was the end of it, too. But a lot of these guys, yeah. they know what they're signing up for when they re-upped in Toronto, knowing that you're going to be under the microscope. They're going to be asking about Mikhail's goals. They're going to be asking about Marner throwing out his videos. They're going to be asking about Nylander, why are you wearing a mask? So I think the players understand that. Uh, but I think with some of the media, what they want, they want a little bit more honesty. But it goes both ways. If they're honest now, you're going to be now writing all these articles saying, you know, look at their bad attitudes or this, that, and the other. So I heard you talking about Marner um, you know, earlier, I don't think he's a guy that really pays attention to social media or pays attention to what guys are saying. And you can't really blame him for being very vanilla in his interviews. That's just how he is. Uh, do we expect him to be on Hockey Night in Canada after he's done playing? Probably not. Uh, but he doesn't need to be that guy where he's a media darling because at the end of the day, he shows up, he does his job, he understands there's a scrutiny that comes with it. But I don't think it really, really affects his day-to-day life, to be honest with you. No, but he doesn't show up. He doesn't do his job. He doesn't in the regular season. He hasn't done it in the playoffs. We're talking That's the whole playoffs, story. But playoffs is tough. Playoffs is tough. Yeah. It's a different playoffs is tough. It's tough for everybody. <laughs> and I'm telling yeah, you, it's tough for everybody. 26, 27, 28, and people keep forgetting about the Stevie Wise and the Oveshkins. They've yeah. gone through it too. These guys are superstars. Anyway, you dice it. Mitch Marner is a superstar. But again, he is not immune from the scrutiny, and he has to perform too. He understands that too. But let's not pretend that uh, you know if he was on another team, you would absolutely be saying, you know what? We'll give up most of our assets to get a player like Mitch Marner too. So I understand both sides of the equation here. But again, everyone hates hearing it. These guys are young. It takes time to learn how to win, how to lose in the National Hockey League, and you can't just show up and be a performer. You know, everyone's comparing you know the McKinnons and the Crosbys, and these guys are different beasts. You know, these guys are probably sleeping in right now after their pregame skate, uh, getting ready for their workout tonight. These guys are a different breed. Some of these top guys in the National Hockey League, you have to learn that. You have to adapt. Hey, Stewie. um, Alex Ovechkin, when he was 22, seven playoff games, 
nine points, four goals, five assists. Uh, 2008-2009 is age 23 season, 14 games, 11 goals, 10 assists, 21 points in 14 games. Like, this is a totally different thing. This isn't like, oh, man, he's just like snake bit. It's the team thing. Like, no, man, come on. Marner was brutal. He led the league in over the glass and led the league in nothing else come the postseason. Like, there was a completely different level of falling apart. And this was not like his first rodeo. And this also is modern NHL where when you're 24 years old, you're like, what? If we're going back to even when you played, it's like, you're 27, 28 years old, basically. You're, he's into his prime now, man. And it's like, yeah, you got to learn to lose. But guess what these guys have done a lot of now? Losing in the playoffs. Like, that's what it is. That's cool when you lost year one to Washington. That's cool when you lost year two to Boston. Even the second time around to Boston where you're like, okay, um, this is sort of the last little hiccup here. To have it happen against Columbus, to have it happen now this time around, it's a deal, bro. Like, it's, it's a real thing. And so... I, I don't know, man. I think that the scrutiny thing completely weighs on this guy's shoulders because there's got to be a reason why he looks like that elite player, that Team Canada lock when it's the regular season and how he's disappeared basically for like 20-plus playoff games in a row when he actually is in his prime and when he is putting up numbers that put him amongst the game's best. Yeah, well, I'll do, I'll, I will say the one thing that do bother him when you got fans throwing stuff at his house, and that's, uh, that's been confirmed on the inside, uh, hashtag insider there too. So that weighs in on you too, but... <laughs> Again, it's the league is hard, and people don't like hearing that. The, the league is hard, but you have to learn. You have to learn. And in this market, that media scrutiny, that is part of it. And I know it comes with the big, big contracts, but these guys, some of them are still kids, and it's, it's, it's tough to really explain that too. But these guys, you're comparing them to the McKinnons and the McDavid. These guys, I keep mentioning, are different. He did that when players. he asked for the money. They he was like, I want $11 million dollars because I compare myself to the McKinnons and the McDavid. There is 30 other teams or 31 thoughts thoughts that uh, of teams that would be lining up for his services because he is that player but again he has to perform he has to step up in the playoffs but again I say give it time but it this goes back to now the whole team now if it's not working you have to blow it up so I'm not giving these Leafs a, a pass in any sense of the word we were talking two years ago I think on this show this is the year we're all in these guys are going to do it and it's like you know you guys are giving the team a pass where I don't even want to be talking about the the micro uh, management of the team we got to assess this team in playoffs because this is what the goal is. We've been seeing this for two years. If they don't get past the second or third round, we're going to be blowing it up. And that has not been the case. So I'm looking for this team to really step up and really start dominating, but they're not really going to assess anything exactly where they're at at the playoffs. And I just don't like the narrative saying, well, we're talking they might not make the playoffs. So how does it go for we're supposed to be taking the next step and we're going to be now being playoff contenders now and the team on paper hasn't gotten any better. You know, I love Nick Ritchie, but is that the permanent replacement for... Um, you know, for Zach Hyman, you know, M Michael Bunting, he scored 11 goals in 20, you know, six NHL games. Is he a really suitable, suitable pit, uh, third line guy on the left wing here? Why haven't we talked about Nick Robertson? Why have we not talked about, you know, yeah. 10, 12 prospects in the National Hockey League that had less pedigree in the last year and a half that have come back? and passed him in development and now are regular contributors in the National Hockey League, his own brother. His own brother last year, they stuck him on the top six role, left him there, and what did you get? You got a Calder uh, nominee. So I think that should be the question, the development of these young, young players uh, and, and where they are in this lineup. And the future's not really bright because who do you really have in the system? And you're just sort of having this you know, revolving carousel of players that are coming in as Band-Aid solutions. And this leads me back to my original point that we've had on this year on the show, where's Kapanen and where's Janssen? That's what this team is missing. So you're not going to like to hear that on Twitter too, but those are the types of guys you need. The mid-level, two and a half to $3.2 million players that you can plug in. No one would be complaining right now if you had Janssen in your top six. No one would be complaining right now if you had Kapanen uh, in the top six because those are guys I think were proven that can step in and show them when they get the opportunity they can be 15, 20 goal guys and that's what this team is missing. They're missing those sure things. There's too many question marks. There's too many guys well, what if? What if this guy gets hurt? What if this guy is not in the top six? There's too many question marks for a team that is supposed to be stepping up and taking the next step in their development. You brought up one of my favorite things that I have been burying. No, I, I, I've been, no, I've been sitting on the Robertson thing, right? Like I got to ration out my takes here, buddy. Like I got media That's day. I'm doing five. that. That is no. top five storyline with this team. I, yes, I honestly dude, believe dude. it. And no one talks about it. I know. Okay. Well, all right. You're making me spoil a little Let's thing. Go. I'm going to, well, you're right. 
How the hell have people not brought up that his brother scored 17 goals in 51 games last year? <laughs> and his brother's 22. What's, what's Nick? He's 21? Like, yeah. they're a year apart? Or they're two years yeah. apart? Maybe they're two years apart. Either way, it's like, boy... Uh, one thing I hate is that, like, his brother is way taller than he is, which is, you know, unfair. It's like Jason, I think, is, like, over six feet and, uh, you know, Nick is not. But either way, like, 17 and 51 last season. And 45 points. He's almost a point-a-game player um, in his first, like, real season with Dallas. Before that, he got, like, a look for, I think, just, like, a one or two games. I, I, I have it written in doc. Maybe it's three. It's, it's not more than five. Like, this was his first year. He came in. He stepped up. He was a stud. The thing with the Montreal series was, like, Cole Caulfield came in and was dangerous. And they have guys who were on rookie deals that contributed and gave you way, way, way above average uh, – or wins above replacement based on the dollar, right? That's how you win in the cap era. You need the young guys to come up and you need them to dominate. And you're right. They don't really have anybody else. And there's all these things about, oh, Robertson, you know, he's dominating rookie camp or the young guy camp and doing all this. It's like he better because there's nobody else there. Like name the second best guy that's at that camp <laughs> in the forward group. Like go ahead, Leafs fans that know everybody. <laughs> it's like who's the guy that you think is coming up? No, dude, Nick Robertson sneakily at – I. Gotta say, nineteen twenty. I'm always confused by his his age. I gotta bring it up. Um, I think he's twenty now. Uh, he's twenty. Okay, he's twenty. He just turned twenty, like a couple weeks ago. This twenty-year-old kid matters a ton. Like we keep doing the stuff about, like, is Richie gonna be top six? I think maybe, probably. You know, he probably fits in there. Is Michael Bunting gonna fit in the top six? Maybe for a little while. Oh, is Mikheyev gonna get a look there? Maybe, probably. I feel like what they're gonna do with Robertson is ask him not to step in in camp early and let him like get some seasoning down there, and then he just becomes this like massive pivot point in the season when they need to add a top six guy. But you're right, like. I, I think the most important guys are obviously Marner. They're obviously Matthews. They're obviously Nylander. They're obviously Tavares. But if we're talking about, like, forwards that matter the most for this season's success, I sneaky think that, like, Nick Robertson matters 10 billion times more than Michael Bunting. Absolutely. And that's the thing. I talk about those Band-Aid solutions. And, you know, there needs to be a clear development plan on exactly what's going on. And you're talking about Nick Robertson uh, at, at rookie development camp. Well, last year, why wasn't he at World Juniors? Why didn't he play World Juniors? And just the the confidence that he could have gotten dominating on that stage. I thought he was stage, hurt. Right? Uh, for wasn't World he Juniors? hurt? Uh, I don't yeah. think so. I think he got hurt when he got back and for the first couple after the first game of the season. But... Why aren't they having conversations with now, even with the media? Hey, you know what? We're going to put him in the top six to see what he can do. We're having a conversation and say, hey, we're going to give you 15, 20 games. Let's see what you can do. And I guarantee you if that was the case, 20 games, you'd have six, seven, eight goals, not worrying if he's shuttling between making, you know, his, his AHL salary, his NHL. Let him go in there. Let him prove that what he can do because we all know he can put the puck in the net. But I think this comes down to, you know, the top four now. Where's their input? They should be asking, well, who do you want to be on your wing? Where, who should we go out and get? So it just seems like they're just getting, uh, you know, temporary solutions. And this team on paper is not better than it was last year. So I know Simmons is probably going to text me, why are you chirping the leaves? But again, that's the reality of the situation because <laughs> we've been talking about this for two years, Stanley Cup contenders. But yeah. you look at all the contenders in the league, they find a way to make it work. They have a number one, bonafide number one uh, goaltender. They have a number one stud on the on the back end. Uh, their power play is clicking. They have their stars that are outperforming uh, their contracts. You know, they, they know how to do cap gymnastics and maneuver throughout the salary cap. And this leap team, they're not really getting that right now. So the jury's still out. And like you said, I don't think you're really going to be able to assess exactly where they're at to playoffs. And I'm not 100% sure now with the divisions uh, realigning if they're going to be a playoff team. So I'd love to see it. Again, I, I don't really hide. I'm not really a Leaf fan, but I understand the importance of this market and the fans having a quality yeah, yeah. team. So I hope for their sake that, you know, they, they deliver this year. Not really a Leaf fan. You love them. You're from here. You got a butt on the team. You're this is a, not really a Leaf fan. Oh, give me a break. Uh, so, you know, speaking of Simmons, one of the things about last year, too, that I wanted to touch on with you today was there were a couple things. Remember, there was all these different mandates, right? We're going to be tougher to play against, tougher to play against, tougher to play against, tougher to play against. And part of that was having some edge. It's thinking of things people have not talked a lot about because most of it has been centered around, you know, the guys up top. It has been they lost Bogosian. Steady, 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 and also tough as nails. They lost Hyman. Steady, steady, tough as nails. Felino added him. Didn't 
turn out the way they wanted it to, but here's what you can never take away from the guy. Tough as nails. Played on, played with just a back injury that was debilitating for him. He came on and talked to me about it. It was brutal for him. He was like, <laughs> guy was in mega pain and still went out there and scrapped Corey Perry. Thornton, old, can't skate, thrilled he's not here anymore from a hockey standpoint, but uh, still think of him as a tough guy, man. Still think of him as a nasty dude. They lost some edge and they added Richie and that's one guy, but... Actually, this sort of feels like the one thing around this team is like they're actually going back to the model of old, which is like this doesn't seem to be as big of a priority as having that quote-unquote edge. No, they're going back to the uh, the strength. Their, the power play is their toughness, mm-hmm. right? So let's hopefully mm-hmm. it's clicking. But, you know, uh, that's the problem. Your your identity is, is, is who you are, but it just it seems like this team is still trying to find out exactly who they are. And then bringing in... You know, how many new forwards to the four group, four or five guys, it's going to take some time to establish them. And in this new division, you know, you have a 12-game, 15-game nap, you can fall right out of it because it's going to be an ulti- ultimate competitive division. There's going to be some teams now. It's going to be tough to make the playoffs just no matter how good of a, a team you are. So I think this team, they have to find a way to establish their identity early. Uh, but as Berkey used to say, you have to get good quick or get bad quick too. So I'd love to see, hey, if you know what, if it's not the year this year, let's get Sandine some top four minutes. Let's get, uh, you know, Lilligren up there. Let's put some, let's put Nick Robertson in a, in a top six role and let him get his 15, 20 goals and set himself up for the future and start making, getting some younger guys in because just this mm-hmm. whole Band-Aid solution, carousel rotating, you know, guys that uh, you don't really know what's going on. It, it, it's not really working. It's not really working. It's almost as if they're throwing something against the wall. Let's hope. Let's hope Nick Ritchie puts up 20. Let's hope Mon- Michael Bunting from Scarborough, Ontario can come in and, and have a great year. Uh, you know, let's hope that some of these guys step up too. And again, I'd like to take this opportunity to talk about uh, Josh Hosang, who I think has a great opportunity to make this team too. I've seen him on the ice. I've been on the ice with him for the last little bit. I think with a new opportunity, he can be this team's Galchenyak. So, but that's not really a permanent solution right now with this team. They need these guys. They're putting too much pressure on this big four here. And you look what's happening with Pittsburgh right now. They got Crosby out. They got Malkin out. You, you lose one or two of these guys. Sorry, it, it's it's bye bye season before the season even starts. Um. Yeah, the last thing the Leafs need is another Galchenyuk, though. Maybe use a different thing. Like, I don't need another guy who turns the puck over in the Sergei biggest game Sergey Who do they need? <laughs> yes. Hey, buddy, we got to run. We got to get out of here. We're already late for break. But, yeah, man, I miss you. And uh, let's do a beer soon, man. I, I'll, I'll get at you in the text, but we got to figure something out. I know you're world's busiest man. But, yeah, it's great chatting with you, pal. Uh, I'll talk All right, to you we'll soon. we'll have a root beer. We'll have a root beer. Yeah, Thanks absolutely. a lot. Go Leafs, okay, go. yeah, I forget. Mr., uh, Mr. you know, it's the pillar. He's the pillar, Stewie. Never had a drink, never done a bad thing. Great guy.